If you've got a Bible, perhaps you could turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you haven't got one and you'd like one, just let me know and I'll buy you one. So, um, but I'm sure the words will be on the screen as well, but it's, it's a good thing to have a Bible. Um, a, a few um, weeks, maybe a couple of months ago now, I can't quite remember, um, Linda, Linda bought a, a, a prophecy about, um, uh, and it was very specific words, about an outpouring of, and this is a word I hadn't heard of before, unconscionable grace. And because it's a word I hadn't heard of before, I thought, ooh, what on earth does that mean? And uh, I looked it up, she did explain what it meant, and uh, grace is a word I'm familiar with, it's one of my favourite words, it means the things God does and gives you that you don't deserve, which is basically everything he gives you <laughs> and does for you because we don't deserve anything. So uh, it's his unmerited, undeserved love. I don't know if disdeserved is a word, but it should be. It's not only not deserved and undeserved, it's, it's disdeserved. We deserve the opposite of his goodness and his kindness. And un, unconscionable really means that. It means excessive and unwarranted grace. It means it's an unreasonable amount of God's favour upon us. And uh, I, I, I've been thinking about that a lot, a lot since, and I thought it would be good because I'm preaching a fair bit in March. I just want to look at that theme of grace again, uh, just for a bit. And, and today, to look at um, 2 Corinthians 10 and another passage in Corinthians about God's sufficient grace. Uh, probably the phrase that most of us will be most familiar with when it comes to grace is amazing grace, because of that famous hymn tune, isn't there, written by a guy called... Um, John Newton, the phrase amazing grace isn't in the Bible, but it is in the Bible, grace, and it is amazing, absolutely amazing. And, and John, Gray, uh, John um, Newton had been involved in the slave trade, and he'd been a, a very much not a nice guy. And, and in the mercy of God, he, he actually, God took him down and down and down and down until he ended up virtually a slave of slaves, and his life hit rock bottom. Some of us don't really wake up till we hit rock bottom and that's what happened to him and and then he turned to God became a Christian and then wrote that that song amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found and so on and so forth so wonderful wonderful hymn about grace so I'm going to read the first 10 version verses of um of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and um Paul's sort of defending his ministry and he says um I I must go on boasting, although there's nothing to be gained, I'll get on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. That was a little term they had, third heaven, which meant into the very presence of God, the throne room. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. I don't know if you ever have an experience where you think, I'm not sure if I'm awake or asleep here. Uh, it was that kind of thing. He wasn't sure if he'd dreamed being in heaven or had a vision of being in heaven or actually had physically gone to heaven. It was such an amazing experience. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I don't know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things that no one's permitted to tell. I'll boast about a man like that. But I won't boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I wouldn't be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. 
or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That's a remarkable passage, really remarkable passage. Paul, Paul had, uh, if you look at it at the height in Paul, of Paul's experience, he had an experience of heaven, a heavenly experience. It was so intense that he really wasn't sure if he was physically there, wherever heaven is, or, or if he was an experience. Uh, uh, sort of in, in his mind, in his spirit. He, he just couldn't really tell. It was such an intense experience. And he, he received such great revelations, things revealed to him by God that he wasn't allowed to even speak about. I, and amazing, I've had some wonderful experiences of God. I hope, hope you have over the years or that you will have. But nothing like this. This is out beyond anything I've experienced. And his experiences were so intense, so great, that he says, I was given this this thorn in the flesh, he calls it, to prevent him from becoming proud, to becoming conceited. The, the word literally means either a thorn or even a stake, something pointy and painful. <laughs> That's what it is. Uh, so, you know, imagine a, a thorn's pretty bad. I, I like gardening. You, you get a rose thorn in your hand that you can't get out it's amazing you don't realize how much you use your thumb until you got something like that after a few days so but 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 more painful than that because really I just think well it'll come out in the end and if I get a needle you know I can you know it just helps along so uh, that's not such a big thing this was a really intensely painful thing so maybe the stake is more accurate it's something that he felt so intensely it, 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 it was draining him he was pleading with God about it it was sharp it was painful it crippled him, it, it pinned him down. That's the, the overall uh, force of it all. And, and different people made suggestions because people like to do that, don't they? Oh, what was Paul, Paul's thorn? And some people suggested an eye problem because at the end of one of his letters, I think it's Galatians, he says, oh, look, now I'm writing in my own hand. Look, look at my big letters. See, maybe he had poor, poor eyesight. Someone else, someone else have said perhaps Paul had a speech impediment because uh, in another letter, uh, his opponents are saying, oh, his, his speech is really poor. It's, who knows? Some people have said illness. He, he says in Galatians, I only preached to you because I got really ill. Uh, uh, and he went sort of up, up higher where, where there was less illness. And, and then he met them and he preached to them. But the reality is, we don't know. It's just speculation. And I think, you know, I think it's quite helpful we don't know, personally, because... We can apply it to what God does sometimes in our own lives. You know, if it was eyesight and you didn't have poor eyesight, you had some other thing, you could never apply this verse to you. You think, oh, it only counts to people who've got poor eyesight. If it was a speech impediment and so on. But because he doesn't say, it's quite helpful, isn't it? Because we have similar experiences sometimes. It's helpful we don't know. We can apply it to us. And, and the interesting thing is, though, though Paul, 
clearly recognised it as something from Satan, something bad and negative. He also, at the same time, says this, is, this stinks, this is bad. At the same time, he's recognising God is sovereign and sets limits. And, and somehow, God allows this, even sends it in some way, to, to keep him from pride. And so Paul's recognising that this is bad, but God is not absent from it. It's easy to think when, when the bad things happen that God's out of the room somewhere. But he says, this is really bad and I'm recognising it's really bad, but, but God isn't absent in this situation. God's sovereign in it. And so Paul's response is, he says, so I prayed three times. I, I don't think it means he just woke up in the morning and thought, oh, I better pray about that and, and did it you know, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday and then gave up. I, th- I think it probably means three sort of periods of heavy duty praying where, where he was really intense and, and seeking God and saying, oh, this is terrible, I would do so much more if this wasn't there, I could achieve something if you got rid of this, this is getting me down, I'm fed up with it. He had three kind of seasons of praying like that and that's, that's the normal thing to do when you go through tough times. That's, that's the norm to say, God, rescue me, deliver me from this. That's the normal thing and, and although... The Bible says that one day all satanic messengers will be overthrown and cast into a lake of fire. In other words, all the things that obstruct us, all the difficulties we face will be burned up and gone, which is our hope. Nevertheless, in his circumstances, this thorn didn't go. That's just the reality. Personally, I find it helpful because Christians sometimes get stumbled and trip over the fact that this difficulty just seems to keep going. I've prayed about it so much, but, but it's still there. And, and we keep praying. We keep praying that God will get rid of it. We keep praying for breakthrough. And, but, but God's there. One day there'll be breakthrough. He's there until there's breakthrough. But just because it continues doesn't mean he isn't there. Do you see? That's, that's really important. And Paul comes to the conclusion that this thorn kept him from pride. It kept him from that kind of spiritual Superman complex that he might have had, you know, with a single bound, I was in the third heaven, guys, zoom, he's, he's, he can't do that, he's, he's, not, he's not allowed to be proud, why? Because this thing's dragging him down all the flipping time, you can, you can almost sense his frustration with it all, it, this thing revealed to him and constantly reminded of him that he was just a bloke, he was a mere mortal, he was weak, and, and although it pinned him down, the same pin that pinned him down pinned him close to God. I don't know if you've ever had that experience. Where you go through something that brings you so low, but in, in your lowness, all you can do is say, God. <laughs> Sometimes it's God help. <laughs> Sometimes it's God, unless you do such that I'm finished. Sometimes it's God, I need you to be my strength because I've got none left. But, so the very thing that pins us down can pin us to God if we don't become offended by it. Though that's the issue. Paul could have become offended by it. He could have said, well, blow that for a game of soldiers. I don't think they said that in Greece, but whatever the equivalent was, blow that for a game of soldiers, I'm off. If God allows that kind of thorn in my life, I'm, I'm off. But he, he was not offended. He went to God with it. He sought God. And even when God didn't answer the prayers he was praying... He had that sense of, well, God is still in it. And then God spoke to him. That's, it's great when God speaks, isn't it? And God says to him, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, 
my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. There's a story told when Mr, I'm not sure if it's Rolls or Royce, but when he first came out with that car, he was very secretive. You know, people that do technology are always secretive. And, and, and people always want to know, well, how powerful is it? How, you know, what's the cubic capacity? What? And, and he, he I, I, I don't know where he came from, Rolls or Royce. But anyway, his answer was always this, sufficient. <laughs> I like that. There was a sort of modest confidence or proud confidence maybe. How, how big is it? What size is the engine? Sufficient. Self-confidence. And, and God says to Paul, my grace is sufficient. It's, it's enough. And, and when, it says, when, when it says God said, said to him, it sounds in English like it, it's in the past, but, but the tense is present continuous. We've, we've spoken about that before. It means that, that God said and kept saying to him. God said and kept saying, my grace is sufficient. Don't you remember I said that my grace is sufficient? Oh yeah, remember Paul, my grace is sufficient. God was saying to him, God said and kept saying to him, my grace is sufficient. Is that sense of it's ringing in his ears. Paul, it's okay to be weak. It's okay. My power, my love, my grace, it's unconscionable. It's undeserved, but it's going to keep flowing and flowing and flowing. It's more than enough for all you need. My power will flow in your weaknesses. And you see, the thing is, God said it to him. We, we need to hear that, don't we? See, it's one thing to say, there's a verse in the Bible that says God's grace is sufficient for me. And that's good. It's good to cling on to the truth of the Bible. That's really good. But, but sometimes you need God to come along to you personally and whisper that in your ear, don't you? <laughs> do, you do you know what I mean? There's a, dif- there's a difference between me saying, God's grace is sufficient to you, Hope Church. That's good, and I trust God is speaking through me, through his word. But it's another thing when God comes right up to you and says, Jim, it's okay. My grace is sufficient to you. And don't we need that? You need it, I need it. Don't you? Don't you go through times where you especially need to hear him saying and saying and saying again. It's okay, Jane. My grace is with you. It's all right. It's okay. It's all right. It's all right. It's okay. That's that's what the experience Paul had. He he heard him say. He said to me. It's all it's over it's all very well for to know that he said it to Ken Davidson. That's great for Ken Davidson. I need to hear him say it to me. Do you see the difference? Someone else's testimony is great because when you hear their testimony, it's like a promise for you. You say, do it again, Lord, but we need to hear him say it to us. It's true because it's in scripture, but when he says it to us, it makes all the difference. His grace is sufficient. It's not, it's not a theory, it's a communication. It's a relationship. It's an experience of him coming close and saying, my grace, my enabling is enough. I, I don't know about you, but I often want to feel strong. Do you, do you know what I mean? Spiritually strong, emotion, physically everything. You know, I'd like to feel strong, like the, you know, some sort of, I don't know, super teacher, apostle, pastor. Ta-da! Yeah, it doesn't happen, but yeah, I'd like it. But, but that's, you see, Jesus' power, Christ's power is actually power in weakness. It's not power in being powerful. <laughs> it's not power in titles. It's not, it's not power in status. It's, it's not power in feeling great. That's just a worldly thing. 
It's power in weakness. It's his enabling grace. So someone will be asking, so is, is every problem I face a thorn in the flesh? Because I've got this nasty corn on my big toe. No, I don't think every problem is, well, I've got this mother-in-law. Or my TV's, I'm this TV's on the blink. You know, some people talk, talk about like that. Oh, it's a bit, of a, thorn, bit of a thorn in the flesh. What they mean is, it's mildly irritating. That's what they mean. <laughs> so, so not every little problem you have is a thorn in the flesh. It's a big thing. It's an evil thing. It's a thing that's really hard to... Those things are just life, my friend. Ups and downs. The outrageous fortunes of life. That's just life. We just deal with those. Get over it. Get up. Dust yourself down. Get on. That's just normal life. But a thorn in the flesh is something much bigger than that. And actually, if, it, if every... If every problem was like that it would make us passive say oh you know it's really, oh, there's weeds growing in the garden that's my thorn in the flesh no get a blooming fork or a hoe and get out there it's not that would make us passive do you see what I mean if we say, oh I'm going to pray that my mother-in-law she, you know that God would remove her hey steady steady <laughs> what are we talking about but that, when we pray God does de- deliver us uh, in in, um, in uh, Corinthians 1 verse 10, he says, God, God has delivered us and he will deliver us again, talking about opposition. So God, God's norm is we're in difficulty, we pray, he helps us through, sometimes because we do it, sometimes others do it, sometimes things resolve themselves. That's the norm in life, but, but sometimes after serious prayer, we just live with something and allow it to pin us closer to Christ. He gives grace. He gives more power. To overcome the things he lists here. Weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecution, difficulties. He's giving us unreasonable, excessive amounts of grace and power. Sometimes to break through and be delivered. Sometimes to keep going in our weakness and know his power resting upon us. So that's uh, Paul's experience, that's our experience. I want to I turn briefly to 1 Corinthians 15. Different passage, verse 10, where Paul talks again about grace and his grace being effective. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. By the grace of God, he says, I am what I am. Uh, He's very aware that he's not had a faultless record, Paul. He used to persecute the church. He was there when they um, stoned an early Christian to death. So he's not guiltless. He's aware of that. But he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace to me was not without effect. Now, I worked harder than all of them, but not I. The grace of God that is with me. See, grace, grace is there as a resource. But his grace, his undeserved love and his power, yes, but also his enablement. God's grace enabled Paul. He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I wasn't, I wasn't murdering so-and-so. Now I've been called to preach the gospel. I am what I am. That's all God's grace. But what's more, his grace worked. His grace in me was effective. It, it's made me able. So, and the same is true for us, isn't it? By the grace of God, you are what you are. You've got the history you've got, you've got the background you've got, you went through the things you went through. By the grace of God, you've got to faith in Jesus and we are what we are, but there's more than that. His grace is effective in our lives. 
His grace makes us effective in service. So here's a question. What's God given you grace for? In what ways can you be effective by his grace? That's a good question, isn't it? About two and a half people think it's a good question. I think it's a really good question. In what ways will God, by his grace, make me effective? Even though I'm really aware of my weaknesses. Even though I might even have a thorn in the flesh somewhere. What ways am I effective for God? Put it another way. I think another good way of questioning is is this. What is it that you do that's blessed by God when you do it? Or even shorter, what works? Now, some of us are younger. We need to try a few things. Have a go. See what works. See what what you're good at. See where God's grace is on you. Because those things, Paul says, hey, this was effective God's grace, I was, I was over here, God's grace came, he saved me, but look, his grace has worked. Oh, I know I've worked hard, I've developed the gifts that God gave me, but, but, but it wasn't even me, really, in the end. It was all God's grace, his amazing goodness. See, the, thing, the things that work are probably the things that we've got grace for. It, it may change over the years in different seasons. So Some people say, oh, when I pray, I just find it so easy to pray and intercede and, and seek God and pray for the church. That's great. Do it, because I find that really hard. So you, you, go, you go for it. You've got grace for it. Other people say, oh, I've got grace to lead a small group. I love gathering a small group of people. That's smashing. I love welcoming people, someone else says. Well, I like visiting people who are not well. Oh, I've, I've, I love doing Bible studies. I, actually, I don't like any of that. I like talking to people about Jesus at work. I find that really easy. That's grace. I, oh, someone else says, oh, I, really, I've got grace to make a load of money and give some away to the poor and some to the church. I've got grace for that. That's fantastic. I've great grace to be a musician, grace to be a leader. I, I love it. I love being hospitable to strangers. All, all of those and a thousand things more. That's God's grace. His grace, what has he given us to do? Paul, Paul had his, his thing in his day. What's he given his enabling grace for us to do? Spurgeon, who was, who was a, a great preacher, he, uh, he, he said this. This was his assessment of himself. And if you've seen a portrait of him, you'll know this is true. He said, I am an ugly man made beautiful by grace. <laughs> No, no, under no illusions. <laughs> I'm an ugly man made beautiful. You're made beautiful by God's grace. You may already be beautiful on the outside, but you're, you're a person who's been made beautiful by grace. He saved you by his grace. He helps you with his grace through any difficulty and every difficulty, but he's also given you grace to make you effective. So we can stop trying to be strong and impressive. Isn't that a relief? For some of us, we try really hard to, I don't know, keep up appearances, look strong. We don't have to look strong and impressive. Paul even said, I'm going to delight. I haven't got to this point. I'm going to delight in my weaknesses. I I haven't got there yet. I wish uh, I'd like to be there, but I'm not quite there. I get out of the bed. I got to the stage where I can't sit down or get up without going, oh. Anyone else there? Oh, you lying house. (laughs) I know it's true. The, the middle age, ooh. Yeah, but I haven't learned to delight in that. But Paul said, I, I delight in that. Because in my very weakness, God's power can come and use me. 
The very fact I'm reminded of my weakness and my fragility and mortality, that makes me more open to God's power and help, and he uses me. Let's acknowledge our weaknesses and God will show his power. Let's expect it. Our identity at the end of the day is weak people empowered by a mighty God. That's, that's who we are. We're weak people empowered by a mighty God. And his grace is both sufficient and effective. Amen? Let's pray together, shall we? There'll be some of us undoubtedly that feel, yeah, I know exactly what. I've got a real thorn, not, not an imaginary little problem, but a real thorn. And I just want to pray for, for any that are in that, that place. Father, I, I ask you by your Holy Spirit, just come close. Lord, we, we don't want to use um, Bible verses like a motto, but we do know that your truth is wonderful. So I pray for any that have got real uh, hard things that pin them to the ground, that pin them down. I ask that those things would not cause them to stumble, but you would come personally and speak and whisper in their ear that your grace is sufficient. That your, your strength is perfected. And shown at its best in people that are weak. Pray they'd have the experience of knowing that you have come and spoken such a word to them. And we pray for all of us, Lord, that you would help us to uh, not seek to try and pretend that we're something we're not. But that in our weaknesses, we would know your enabling power. In this season of... uh, extraordinary grace extraordinary enabling that we would know your strength coming upon us in our weakness enabling us to speak and live for you serve you very fruitfully we ask you to pour your grace out to us and through us lord pour your grace out on those we live and move amongst that you're the good news of jesus and his undeserved love might come through us to many others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.